What is this? For the masses. Mmm, I like this for the masses. <laughs> Welcome to the For the Masses podcast. My name is Jonathan Barrett. I'm excited. I'm excited because this is my first episode ever. Not only that, but because this is my opportunity to meet you where you are. And I know, like I know, like I know, this is where you're supposed to be. My constant pursuit for growth in my faith, leadership, self-development, finance, and more has led me to wanting to collectively place my thoughts somewhere and share that, praying that at least one person may need it. I know my first ever guest will provide an amazing amount of value to you. His name is Major Jamon Lewis, a major in the Army. With 30 years of experience over three branches, he's a phenomenal leader, and some may even call him a people's quarterback. Let's jump into the episode. Major Lewis, how are you doing? Doing all right. How about you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you joining the podcast. We got some audio going now. But Major Lewis, so I've been in the military for eight years, and I've rarely come across leaders like you. What makes you different? Well, I think what makes me different is that uh, I treat people the way I want to be treated. And I was also um, on the other end. Um, I didn't come in the military as an officer straight out of college. I came in the military as an enlisted soldier. Um, started out in the Marine Corps and went to the Air Force, then to the Army. And Marine Corps and Air Force, I was both enlisted. And I, I, I just sat back and observed leaders, officers, leaders in the enlisted rank and what I, you know, I took notes, you know, would I want that if I was in charge? If I was in charge, how would I do it differently? And that's what makes me different because all of those, all of those things that I took note of is what I actually tried to apply when I became a That's awesome. When you see a leader follow suit. <laughs> winners win. And winners win. And it sounds like that you epitomize that because, again, like we see leaders all the time that we don't want to be like, right? And then some sort of get out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then some soldiers like become the leaders in effect change, you know, become change makers in the organization. Right. You know, and I'm like, so I appreciate you. It's just wild to me that you went through three different branches of service. So what prompted the moves? What prompted the move to the service? Well, uh, well, I started out in the Marine Corps because I thought that, you know, I didn't know anything about the military. And I had, you know, relatives, uh, mainly my uncle, who was a recruiter in the Marine Corps. Um, he then, you know, I figured I want to be like him. The uniform was great, but, you know, shortly after going in, I learned that it's not about the uniform. It's about, it's about the ethics. It's about what they stand for and, and how they actually lead and how they maneuver. So later on, I learned that Marine Corps was probably not the, the path that I wanted to do. Um, it's a great organization, great camaraderie. However, what I thought, you know, being in the Marine Corps, it actually helped me build up that, you know, that historical and that, and, and actually take that esprit de corps and learn how to use that to my advantage, to, to help others. So, but moving on, I figured maybe I need to try something different. And then I went into the Air Force. The Air Force had the structure, but it wasn't enough structure for me. So from there, I moved, you know, went into the Army. Army was kind of like that, you know, that bear that came into the house, it was just right. Um, he ate that horse that was just right. And the army was just right for me. And I'm not saying that it's right for everyone, but it was it was just right for me. 
Absolutely. So you joined you joined the Marine Corps at what age? 18, 19? I was uh, 17. 17. Man, so your parents had to sign a waiver of, hey, let me, let me come into basic training early. Uh, so the Marine Corps, like their Esprit de Corps, which is basically camaraderie, loyalty, uh, patriotism, you know, and to your to your brothers and your sisters in arms. Right. Right. That's awesome. So join the, join the Marine Corps, really like their Esprit de Corps. And I like what you said about just like what the military does for people. Like it gives you standards, it gives you boundaries at a very young age that you would not otherwise have if you didn't play sports or part of some type of music, you know. So I th- I think it's a, it's amazing for the opportunity, mm-hmm. and you get to make money while you learn, right? That's right. That's right. Right. So you finish the Marine Corps, transition to the Air Force, right? And the Air so the Air Force is like oh it was a little bit more structured than you would say the Marine Corps, but not as much. No, it was it was less structured. Oh, less structured. Yeah, right. The, the Air Force is more structured towards being in an organization, but more of a job type situation. So it's more about what you know and um, the education in the Air Force. They focus more mostly. All right. So so left the Air Force and then you came to the Army. Right. Well, hold on. What was about the Army that was like, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna finish out here. Uh, the the Army had an, uh, a program where you could go through OCS. Okay. And that was, that was, in my mind, that was the time for me to make my mark. I, I don't know, it was maybe it's that voice in the back of my head said, now it's the time, the door is open. So I took that opportunity to go through OCS in the Army. That's awesome. So it looks like, all right, so you Marine Corps gave you a speedy corps, Air Force, you saw the structure you wanted, then Army gave you the opportunity. Right. That's awesome. Right. So, and then, so obviously you, you, you transition over to the officer side. What's the difference between the enlisted side and officer side? Well, on the uh, on the officer side, it's more it's more planning and and taking on the risk. On the enlisted side, it's more do no be more, be more. So yeah. so uh, so it's more you know it's you know you get the you get the orders down the taskers down and, and uh, from the officers and the enlisted just do it. Okay. So a lot of soldiers, I feel like again they see that leadership that they don't want and they either get out or stay in, right? Become a change maker. You decided to become a change maker, and you know to try try to become a planner and someone who makes strategy. So why did you want to take on a responsibility? Because it is we, we both understand the responsibility is great. What made you want to do that? Well, I, you know, I'm a believer of complain but have a solution. So my 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 thought process was I I saw where I thought that change needed to happen, but instead of complaining, I became the change. So I, I just try to affect that change through people. And, and change can't just happen because you think it happens. Change has to happen and have buy-in buy from everybody. So the way to do that is influence. So I use my influence and my people skills to influence people to help with the change. No, absolutely. And so going back to influence, you know, so you, you see you became a change maker Right. And you you want to you have a plan. You influence people. You have people skills that you acquire over time. How did you get your people skills? Because I think it's phenomenal. You're a people quarterback. Right. So, you know, I have my people skills. Actually, I was uh, going through college. I was actually the quiet guy. Uh, I didn't do a lot of talking. It wasn't until I got a job working selling cell phones. It was a sales in a store. And they sent me to a course called Psychology of Selling which I thought that was going to teach you how to sell. That didn't teach you how to sell. It taught you how to understand people. And it, it was at that point that I started to 
understand the psychology of people. Not, you know, a lot of people will say that it's a, you know, how to manipulate people. That's not what it's about. It's about how to appeal to people, to get them to you know, understand what, you, what you're trying to do. And it's more so of being able to communicate clearly to a person what your end state is or what you're, where you're trying to go. Um, but once you get to that point, then you can get people to, you know, either buy in or tell you why they don't buy in. It's never a no. It's always, I don't like that because of this. Then, then, then you work on compromise. How can we get that a hybrid version of what your plan is or what your change is where you can get everybody's buy-in based on what the, what other people are saying they don't like? Absolutely. So even even with that, though, when you're talking about like compromise, there's a give and there's a take, right? How do you get a mass group of people with all different interests to, like, give and take on something? Well, I believe that you have a percentage of people that don't agree with you. You have a percentage of people that will agree with you and really just don't care. They just go with the flow. Then you have a percentage of people that will agree with you just because they trust you. So I think it's a big deal of trust and being being consistent. If you're that person that, you know, I think people watch other people, especially leaders. If you're if they see people know the truth. You don't have to tell them the truth, be the truth. So when you walk in that step and you and you step that way, then people actually under, they, they know that when he says something, he really means that. Yeah. And that sometimes that means being that example. Sometimes that means don't tell somebody to go clean. But prior to you telling them that, you actually go clean. Yeah. And then you say, hey, can I get some people to clean? That's influence. Hey, you know, because in their mind, they're thinking, well, he, already, he did it. So he's not going to ask us to do something that he didn't do. And then you keep that consistency going and that, you know, that trust that builds that trust. Because in any organization, there is a, a level of trust with everyone. So the way to get that is you have to build that trust. Lead from the front. That's so, what I heard. So, so, my, so my thing about this, right, as you progress throughout your career, like you're Phil Gray now, obviously you're not going to be cleaning back. So, like, how do you show the soldiers that you're willing to do the things that you're asking them to do without going in and actually cleaning the bathroom? You know? Well, that, that's easy. I mean, what you do is, you again, you have to be consistent and be there when they need you. So it, it, it's not being there. Yeah, my, my version of leadership is, is, a, is a bit different. So I used to always tell my lieutenants, you know, when it's cold as crap outside, you should, and the soldiers are outside, be outside with the soldiers. Even if you got paperwork, do it on the hood of a car. But let the soldiers see you in the cold, too. If it's hot outside and the soldiers are outside, you do the same thing. Go outside and you do your paperwork outside. Because those are the points in my mind where complaints start. And that was that to me was where the first thing that I thought of to how to affect change was when I was enlisted. I used to notice it was cold, 20 degrees outside, and I look around, the officers are inside, hanging out, drinking coffee. So in my mind, I'm thinking as an E4, and it would be, I would respect them more, and, and I could do my work more because I see that we are all miserable together. Absolutely. So as a leader, I affected that by saying, this is what I would have liked to have seen, so I'm going to have my officers outside when it's cold and when it's extreme hot. Um, so that the soldiers will see that. So I think it's all about being consistent so that people can see that, you know, 
they, they start to trust you. But all of, also at the same time, when a soldier is really down, you have to be there for that person. Um, it, you can say soldier, you can say employee, you can say any, any just fellow colleagues, just be there for that person and be genuine when you're there for that person. When they're happy, celebrate with them. You know, when there's nothing happening, okay, then you probably don't need to do anything. But in extreme situations is where you affect change. And it's also where you affect influence. Absolutely. So so with, with that being said, you think half the battle is being present? I, I think half the battle is perception. Exactly. When people don't see, when they don't see, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're behind the scenes doing a lot of if a soldier or an employee doesn't see that you're doing a lot of work, they're perceiving that you're not doing it. It's all about perception. So you have to find that balance of perception and being able to do the work behind the scenes. Yeah. So if I'm perceived as doing a lot of work or if I'm perceived as the smart guy, even though I'm not the smart guy and I'm the smart guy, you know, in my point, my, my idea is perception is 90 percent of what people believe. And that's influence. That's also trust. That's also how you get effect change. It's all about perception. It's a combination of perception, consistency, and um, which builds the trust. Oh, absolutely. So so how would you say you got a young HR officer, right? And he has a team and we're in a COVID environment, so we're all teleworking, right? We got all these meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the younger enlisted don't have access to his calendar. How would how would you tell like advise that young officer to like move forward and to be present for his soldiers even though they can't see what he's doing? Well, how I would do it is basically ask if you was that E four and and you had an E five over you, how would you like for them to be? And they, they I mean, a hundred percent of the time they'll tell you how they would like for them to be, and then use that to your advantage to influence him or her. Hey, but then. Maybe some of those things you may want to try. Yeah. So that because it will affect your soldiers. No, no, I, I get that. And um just so like putting ourselves in the soldier's shoes and then moving forward like as we were them and like helping right. them understand being there for them. Right. Being present through highs and lows and then showing them that you actually do work. Right. I met a guy, he was saying that he's like he's senior E six. He said this was his first time really seeing leaders not only say they're working for me, but showing me they work for me. And I was like, you've been almost 20 years and it's the first time you were able to like see something from a, from a leader. And he was like, I don't even know if it worked or not, but I, they showed me it, you know, and that meant the world then. Right. You know, so I like, no, that's, that's awesome. So a bit, a big question I have for you is like, how do you treat people accordingly? You know, there's like, obviously like when you're influencing people, everyone has different interests, things they're, they're willing to compromise on, things they're willing to not. So how do you go go through like the different people and like treat them accordingly. Well, that's where the work gets put in. Okay. So for me, to be a people, you have to first be a people person. Um, and then what you then would have to do is you'd have to learn that person. Um, I know it sounds kind of quirky or corny, but if you ever watch Kung Fu Matinee um, and way back in the day, Sundays they used to play it, um, there's always... One guy trying to fight the other guy. One guy trying to find it. And they, they each are trying to find each other's weakness. They got one weak spot. And the way I uh, approach each person is I find that not weak spot, but their hot button. Every person has a hot button. And if you mention or say something about that hot button, if you touch that hot button, 
more than seven times, then now you have the ability to affect influence on that person. So for instance, if your hot button is a playground in a nice backyard and I'm a real estate agent, and when I show you that and I already reveal, you have already revealed to me without knowing that your hot button is a playground with a field. When I show you the house, I'm going to show you the, hey, this is the kitchen. And guess what you can see out of the kitchen? There is a window right here where you can see that playground. <laughs> I'm going to show you the bedrooms. And I'm going to also lead right back into it. In this bedroom, this is a nice size bedroom. It has a nice, you know, master bed, bathroom and everything. But outside this window, this bathroom or this bedroom, you can see that playground set. You mentioned that enough. Now you have influenced that person or have that, you, you can convince that person to purchase that house. Because now they have, you have mentioned the hot button several times. So how do you influence people? Each person has a different hot button. And the only way to know that is you have to approach it as if each person is a university. Because everybody likes to talk about themselves. Nobody likes to talk about you. And I mean, contrary to what anybody says, nobody likes a person that all they do is talk about themselves. Well, they don't prefer a person that just talks about themselves. However, if you go in and you start having that person talk and they, they get to talk about themselves, you may learn something in the process of them talking about, you know, some of the things that they do. So... Once you, what you will learn is their hot button. If they, if they like fishing, if they like, you know, golfing, if they like football, baseball, or rap, you know, rap music, yeah. or you know, that type of deal, then you just keep pushing that button. And that's awesome because so, so, and that's where the work comes in, finding out what that soldier or that right. that person likes, so that you can find their hot button. Right. So as a leader, the first thing you want to do is learn your subordinates. You want to learn everything you can about them. Not just, hey man, how do you do this? How do you do that? What do you like to do? No, not just that. That's the easy stuff. The hard stuff is what you got to do. The deep and juicy stuff. Like, how many kids do you have? Uh, how's your mom doing? You know, oh, so your mom is just graduating college? That's awesome. She did it for you guys? Oh, that's fantastic. So that you can recall that later. And if it's the more, the more the people, the met, the better. So if you have 170 people that you're you're talking to, two weeks later, you come back to that one particular person and say, how's your daughter doing? The last time we talked, you said that she was having problems with math. You know how big that is for them? Now that you, you just personalize that for them, that you remember them. They know that it's 107 people here. But the fact that you remember them enough to, to go to the mushy stuff of their life is important. Now you just influence that person. Now that person is now starting to watch you and you have to still continue to walk the walk so that they can start trusting you. Trust is is earned. It's not given. So you have to be able to earn that trust of that person. And one of the steps to earn that trust is by learning more about that person. Earn, not given. That's awesome. And, and, and I have to preface with this. Major Lewis has never read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Because I'm reading this book currently. And a lot of these topics he's hitting on is in this book and he hasn't read it. So it just shows that experience is like the ultimate teacher, right. you know, and I, like that's irreplaceable. And it shows why we need the high level leaders like yourself, you. you know. So that's amazing. So, sir, I want you to talk about the rebate and how everything is a rebate. 
So the, you're talking about the rebate form that I say it every yeah. time. Okay, so a lot of times you get into a situation like, I don't know, you know, um, you need to be able to get a payment done um, or get a payment from someone or, or from a company. They make you, okay, we can get you that payment, but you need to fill out this form. Or and then when you fill out that form, they come back with, hey, we need you to do this. Well, let's turn that into everyday life. People do that to see how serious you are. And so the way I treat it is everything is a rebate form. Everything is like a Circuit City rebate form. Basically, the way Circuit City used to do, and I'll preference this, you know, just to give you background on it. Circuit City used to get draw you into the store and says, hey, we can give you this TV that's $1,500 for $500. But you have to pay the $1,500 and you have to fill out this rebate form, which is a long application. Um, and then we'll give you the $500 or the, yeah, the $500 back or the $1,000 back, right? So what Circuit City is hoping is that you don't want to take the time to fill out that form. And that's what a lot of situations are. In a lot of situations, people hope when you go from one stage to another stage to another stage, like, for instance, we're trying to get funding for something. Well, nobody really understands. They keep saying that they don't understand it. So, you know, you, you move that person to the side and you move to the next one. Because if you think in your mind, this is nothing more than a rebate form, and they're hoping that I just give up and throw the rebate form in the trash, then you'll never get past it. But if you think that if I continue on, eventually I'll get to the end. So that's how you move forward. So everything to me, when it's a difficult, some people say it's a, they call it roadblocks. I call it rebate forms. And for me, it's moving forward, never giving up, never, never accept no as an answer, especially when you're trying to do something for your subordinates and betterment for your subordinates. Because in, a, in the end, the word no should translate to you as, I just haven't given you enough information you to give me a, a better answer so that's what i think of a rebate for. absolutely and and i brought that up because i was dealing with a very tough situation that impacted a lot of people and you know people were counting on this like happening you know i'm stressed out major lewis walks in and he's like it's a rebate and i was like what is this guy talking i just met this guy he's talking about rebate forms i, I don't do regular paper mail anyways <laughs> And he told me that concept and it was super cool and super impressionable on me. You know, so so Major Lewis, as you as you progress into like a more strategic level leader, obviously you got less subordinates, right? Obviously everyone's your subordinate, but you're like direct managers of X amount of people. How do you bring out your full potential in those soldiers or those or your subordinates? And how do you keep, you know, planning for the future essentially? Well, so yes, I have less subordinates that direct report to me. Mm-hmm. So what happens is what I the way I think of it is I have I don't have less subordinates to report to me. I have more people that I can influence to be like me, to think like me, to influence people that they they have subordinates to. So that, in my mind, I'm trying to create, instead of, let's say I have four four subordinates that report to me, and they have five to 10 people that report to them. Mm -hmm. In my mind, the way I think of it is, I need to create four Lewises or four Major Lewis thinkers, thinkers. They think like Major Lewis, not exactly me, but they think like me. They have the same, you know, concepts, the same uh, background, not backgrounds, but uh, focus points on how they attack problems, like the rebate form um, deal. 
and then they influence their subordinates as well. So that's how I, I form an organization uh, and better the organization. Absolutely. And, and I feel like that helps you get your intent across clearly. If you have people who like understand the leader, act, think like the leader, and move forward like that. Right. That's awesome. And like, and like I said, that, that rebate form you should put in the book. <laughs> like that, that, that was gold. No, it's, it's just a way of thinking. No. Is that how you bring the potential out of people though, as well? Like, you know, obviously cultivating them like in their own, you know, like areas, but also just like, how do you ensure that, you know, they're going to come back and not mess your name up, essentially? Well, I, I, I try to relate to people. So, and, and I try to find things that relate to them. So the one thing that people can relate to are movies. So I try to tie things in that have ties to a movie. So, um, for instance, if it's something that's, you know, maybe make a statement that, that you only hear from a movie, you know, like, you know, get to the chopper. I mean, that's something yeah. like that in Terminator, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or you can say, you know, make just something that's relatable to them, which allows them to remember it, you know, like winners win. Absolutely. You know, so that's a, a catchy statement. So when you're saying that over and over and people start seeing that. One of the things that I, I say a lot that a lot of people think I'm joking about, you know, do you work hard to hardly work? And they'll just like think it's just a greeting. And I just work hard. The only thing I work hard at is hardly working. Um, but that's a true statement. And what I mean by that is, and I just had this conversation earlier today. What I mean by that is if you know that you got a spreadsheet that you're typing in each sale, well, you know, that's, that's a lot of work. So, but now at the same time, you're thinking, I could probably automate it, but it may take me three or four days to automate it. So that the next time I get the spreadsheet, I just push a button. Three or four days of pain will eliminate yep. weeks of, of that same yep. agony. So all I do is just push a button at that point. I work hard, so I hardly work. Absolutely. So that, that's, that's, those are some of the things that I try to use, you know, little statements, little catchy phrases that really means something behind it, so. Absolutely, and I think it goes back to like earn not giving, you know? Right. You, you work hard now to earn this time that you get like, right. Right, later on, you know? I'm a huge fan of that, that saying as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Major Lewis, I appreciate you for, you know, being one of my first guests on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. That I don't I'm have sorry. a name for yet. But Major Lewis, if you could help one person who's listening to this and they really want to take some huge leadership key away, what would you give? Yeah, nine words, nine, nine words. If it is to be, it is up to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Major Lewis, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. I love sitting down with Major Lewis. I really do. You can tell that experience has shaped him, and he's just at the point where he just wants to pay it forward. So I'm grateful for that. Because at first, as a younger officer in the military, it's kind of hard to take that criticism because you're like, oh, man, I'm younger. You know, I, you know, we have all the technology out now. We don't need any of that old stuff, but experience matters. Experience helps us. So I'm super grateful that you all got a little bit of like the mentorship I get on a daily basis. And I pray that you play this over and I pray that you pay it forward. This podcast is dedicated to my mother, Alfreda Bullock. She ran her race with elegance and pride. I love you forever and more.